Hawaii Up for June 10th, 2005. Aloha and talofa. This is Hawaii Up, show number 14. My name's Ryan, and uh, mahalo. Thank you for plugging into the show. Things are just beautiful out here in Hawaii. Summer's well underway. Kids are out of school. Streets and parks are filled with kids. The sky is bright and blindingly blue. Uh, here on the show, I took last week off, of course, but I kept busy. I was on the hunt for more independent local artists to feature on the show, and I was also, you know, really stretching my video blogging muscles. For all my skepticism a few shows back, I, I think I'm addicted now. So, what have we got on the menu today? Well, my music hunt was not for naught. I've got a great song from a great gal. She's rocked around the world, and now she's fronting a new band here in Hawaii. We'll chat with the wife, of course. We'll do a couple of reviews from the Netflix queue. And uh, I would like to play a snippet from a blogging for business lunch panel that some geek friends and I participated in earlier this week. First the news, though, but by special request for Mark in Madison, Wisconsin, he's feeling a bit homesick, so here is a special supersized edition of... Hawaii Up Headlines Around Hawaii and Around the House Home prices are making eyes bug out out here. I guess they're doing that everywhere. Uh, just today, they're saying that the median home price on Kauai, the little round island, is $665,000. Uh, you know, last month, Maui's home price, uh, median price, was uh, $780,000. I think it's, they're the highest of all the islands, kind of. Well, you know, that's the new prestige destination here. Here in Honolulu, the median was $610,000. Uh, for Honolulu, that's a 12% increase just from the month before, over $100,000 higher than it was the year before, even though, even though there are fewer houses being sold. You know, they're saying they can't build them fast enough, the permits can't be approved fast enough. Uh, and, you know, and this is at a time when I keep thinking, we must be running out of space here on Oahu. I'll tell you this much, you know, I was born and raised here, and, and I say I'd cut off my right arm before I had to move away, but at this rate, I'm thinking maybe it's time to sharpen that saw. Uh, you know, my eye actually is on the big island, that's where I want to live, and they've actually got the most reasonable prices, but man, it's not exactly the best kept secret anymore. Everyone, uh, everyone else with more money than me is getting the same idea, I think they're median price there is $370,000. I mean, that's a bargain compared to Maui, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, I, I I keep thinking of the place that Jen's parents had in Florida. I mean, it was, sure, it was way the hell out in the middle of nowhere, but it was a huge house, huge, huge garage, corner lot, big yard, hardwood floors, fireplace, uh, just, you know, a nice house for $80,000. $80,000. I do not think you can buy a small storage shed for that price here. Well, Peter Boy is back in the news, you know. Uh, Peter Boy is a really tragic, I mean, that's a horrifying story. It's been hovering over the island since 1998 when uh, Peter Kemma Jr., or Peter Boy, he was six years old, he disappeared. 
Now, you know, this was a really big missing person story back then. The state printed bumper stickers and there were signs everywhere, where's Peter Boy? But, you know, even at the time, I think it was plainly obvious to anyone with a brain that Peter Boy didn't exactly disappear. I mean, this kid was doomed from the start. You know, several incidents of abuse. Uh, him and his uh, sisters and brothers were taken away from his parents, I don't know, several times. Uh, and when Peter Boy went missing, the parents made the requisite teary-eyed television appearances. You know, there's this clip that they keep showing, and I think with good reason. The, the media knows what they're doing because they're asked point blank in front of the TV cameras if they killed their son. And uh, the mom just hides her face, and the dad, he says, I swear to God, uh, I, I did not kill my son as far as I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, no Oscar for that performance, buddy. But, you know, ultimately nothing ever happened. Uh, everyone slinked off to their corners. The kids were taken away. Uh, the parents still kept showing up in police logs for domestic calls. Anyway, after all this time, years later, finally, finally, you know, little procedural shifts in uh, the law and uh, the state's record on the whole sad life of Peter Boy are finally made public. Thousands of pages, page after page after page of just awful details of injuries, allegations, statements... Uh, people writing letters who know Peter Boy, begging the state not to reunite the family. You know, reuniting the family was back then the overarching priority. Um, they were afraid something was going to happen to Peter. Social worker reports, child protective services visits, psychological interviews with the kids. And you know, one of the big things was there was a psychologist who had interviewed Peter Boy's sister, who was five at the time, saying that she actually saw Peter dead in a box, you know, in the trunk of the car. Um, so, you know, they're hoping that the release of this information will spur more action on the case, more tips from the public. But, you know, really, I don't know if anything's going to happen. I mean, we we do know now more about how well doomed Peter was, you know, and we have, I think, a pretty good idea of, of who killed him. But uh, will anything be done? Can anything be done? You know, they don't have a body. The only statement is from a, a kid who was five at the time. Now it's ten years later. It's just awful. Okay, well, you know, here's a story that's uh, also sad, but in a different way. Um, over on Hawaii Threads, uh, the forum, people are kind of incredulous over this one. Picture this. Uh, Maui, April 13th, uh, there was a car with three adults and a baby inside. Even though there's a perfectly serviceable, paved public lookout uh, a few hundred yards away, they pull off the road somewhere else, you know, right next to a cliff. Um, and the driver, folks, she was she was beyond legally drunk. She had three times the legal limit. Uh, the Maui coroner said the, lim the level was nearly lethal. And she also apparently had been smoking marijuana. Uh, so why anyone let her drive or let alone put their baby in this car is a mystery. But anyway, she decides to, I guess, make a U-turn instead of backing out. And, well, the car ends up over the cliff. The, the driver, the woman, uh, and a man, uh, they're killed. Uh, fortunately, the mother and the baby somehow survive. But guess what, folks? Uh, it's lawsuit time. Yep, the uh, driver's parents are suing the state. They own that little patch of dirt, I guess, by the cliff, and the family is suing the state for not having a guardrail up. Yes, the state is at fault for the two deaths because they didn't have a physical barrier to stop a woman who was drunk 
and high and parked where she shouldn't be from driving off a cliff. Uh, you know, I tell you, folks, uh, well, that's nuts. And the real tragedy is, you know, they're going to win. I bet you they're going to get uh, taxpayer money anyway. The way things are going, man, we're all going to be walking around in uh, a foot-thick padding in a city made of rubber with no sharp corners. Hmm, peacocks. Peacocks are uh, causing a flap in town. You know those big, giant birds? They're they're not native to Hawaii, and they have no natural enemy, so their uh, population is really exploding in some neighborhoods. I think I've read that there are actually a few out here in Mililani, which uh, freaks Jen right out, let me tell you. Anyway, they're not particularly dangerous, but they're messy and especially noisy. And I guess after driving some folks out in Makaha nuts for a while, someone got a permit, got official sanction from the state to do a little pest control. Well, the folks who actually lived there might have been looking forward to the peace and quiet, but the animal rights folks are all up in arms. Apparently this actually comes up over and over again, and apart from a few killings, and then a few people who actually adopt the birds, little actually happens. You know, on one hand, yes, they are animals and living creatures, but, you know, hell, so are rats and roaches, or or, or chickens or pigs, actually. Has anyone thought of eating them? Yeah, I think that might, well, no. Anyway, I did learn something, though. Uh, Instead of killing the peacocks, folks are saying to just eliminate the eggs, or actually mess with the eggs to bring down the population slowly. Uh, you know, you can't just steal or destroy the eggs, though, because that just makes the peacocks lay more eggs. They say that you should just shake the eggs, you know, scramble them and put them back, or coat them with vegetable oil to prevent them from hatching. You know, I guess so they just keep wasting their time sitting on these dead eggs. Interesting. Mass transit, meanwhile, is in limbo again. It's like uh, 1992 all over again. Now, the state legislature easily passed a law granting counties the right to levy a tax to pay for a transit system. You know, that allowed them to wave the home rule banner, but, you know, kind of squeeze out of actually having to be the poor saps that actually raise taxes. Um, And Governor Lingle has also before trumpeted home rule as an ideal, but now she's getting a lot of pressure from the anti-tax folks and from Republicans who... Well, I think rightly say, you know, what's the point of a governor from the minority party having veto power if she's not going to use it? You know, folks have actually gone so far as as, as to call her a Democrat. Uh, so anyway, she's now saying that uh, she's going to wait until the last possible date in July before she decides whether or not she's going to sign the law, let it become law on its own, or veto it. This, of course, has rattled the city council, the Honolulu City Council, which was a third of the way into rushing the tax hike through. You know, it sailed through one out of uh, the three readings that have to happen, but their eagerness to pass it, I think, kind of pricked everyone's ears up and and put the spotlight on them. And, uh, you know, like heck, they're going to pass a tax hike that's authorized under a law that the governor might not sign. You know, talk about a double whammy politically. So the council has put off its next vote. You know, they're saying it's because they want more details, they want assurances from the feds, but, you know, that's silly. I mean, it's not like they're going to get the whole plan and uh, signed letter from the president in the next month. Um, And it's not like the feds are going to promise anything after, well, last time uh, the feds did promise something and the city dropped the ball. Anyway, I think it's just that, you know, there's this rock and there's this hard place and no one wants to be the next Reed Macho, but nobody wants to, to look complicit in some big done deal conspiracy either. So the council put off their vote because 
they don't want to pass the tax that the governor might not sign, but the governor put off signing a bill because she's afraid the counties might not use the tax. Got that? Now, I am for rail, I am for mass transit improvement on a grand scale, but you know, even if you're against it, honestly, I think you'll agree with me that I think it's kind of interesting that all the attention, analysis, the discussion about this issue here is about more the political ramifications. You know, the deals and delays and the, the machinations at City Hall and the state capitol. You know, it's not, you know, about transportation issues. If if So if rail happens or if rail doesn't happen, what will be the reason for that? You know, the, the needs of the people or the survival of elected officials? Finally, I did want to share the winners of the Na Hoku Hano Hano Awards. The Hoku Awards are Hawaii's own Grammy Awards, as they say. Lots of great talent was recognized. Eddie Kamai and the Sons of Hawaii, definitely legends there. They got Album of the Year and Anthology of the Year. Raya Tea Helm, boy, you know, she's been knocking them out of the park. She got Female Vocals of the Year for the second time and a Favorite Entertainer overall. Na Palapalai got uh, Hawaiian Album of the Year. The Brothers Casimero, definitely recognizable names. They were Grammy nominated as well, but they had seven Hoku Award nominations and they got Song of the Year honors. Alea also had seven Hoku nominations and they got Contemporary Hawaiian Album of the Year. The late Dennis Pavao, perhaps not surprisingly, got Male Vocalist of the Year. And Jake Shimabukuro, definitely no surprise, took Instrumental Album of the Year for all of the incredible things he does on Nukulele. Now, of course, you're probably not going to hear many of these artists on Hawaii Up or on podcast because they're with larger labels that are a little more conservative with, you know, rights and distribution. But, you know, some folks you have heard here on Hawaii Up were Hoku nominees. Jordan Segundo, he was uh, nominated for Most Promising Artist, although that award went to a 16-year-old from Hilo, Brittany Paiva, and Polly. They were uh, up for Group of the Year and Contemporary Hawaiian, you know, Album of the Year and Favorite Entertainer. I don't know why Polly didn't get anything, but, you know, he's a winner in my book. As for the home front, well, you know, as I said, summer's here. Katie's out of school. You know, that kid, she's she's just starved. She's hungry for stimulation. She craves company. She's just a little ball of, 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 of social light, you know? Frankly, I don't know where she gets it because Jen and I, in our own weird ways, kind of don't like people. We have a little xenophobic streak. But anyway, you know, we, we knew her head was just going to explode just hanging out at home, so we've signed her up for the Power Pack, you know, the summer fun program at the local YMCA. And basically they're going to run kids ragged from sunrise to sunset, swimming, sports, field trips, you name it. There's even going to be an overnight camp out, which will be a first for her. And she's really looking forward to that. Last time I mentioned Zach's turning three. Well, he's three now. He had his birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, that environment is scientifically designed to just whip kids into a froth and, and, and give parents a headache. But he had a blast, and that's what mattered. And we actually saw a lot of family, which we really don't do enough of. Zach's third birthday also brought the end of his special you know, testing and evaluation for his speech and, and, and development. But I think everyone's confident that he's just fine. You know, He's a bit of a babbler, but he's, he's perfectly okay. And I'll tell you, he's speaking more and more coherently. Every day, I pick a whole sentence out of what he says. So... 
I'm sure the next time I interview him here on Hawaii Up, he'll make a lot more sense, but it might not be quite as funny. Finally, the baby, Alex, uh, he had a great month for a baby. He's just, just suddenly started crawling. He's getting all over the place, and he also suddenly got a tooth. Now, I think it was in March, show number three or four, when I said he was teething back then. And, well, I guess all the drooling and crankiness just came and went back and forth ever since then. But now, he's it's official. He's got the little, hard, shiny thing in his mouth. And, and we're the crazy, happy, proud parents we should be. Okay, that was a lot of talking. Let's get to the music, shall we? And I know you're going to like this. It was worth all that talking. Her name is Kika, and she's made music all over the place. She's played in Japan, Arizona, Virginia, Vegas, San Diego, Hollywood, and L.A. She's developed a passionate following wherever she lands, and now she's landed in Hawaii. She calls Kailua home, and, uh, you know, she's blessing the islands with her voice. Her sound is very frequently compared to Natalie Merchant, but of course with a little something extra. So this is Kika with the song Not The One, which has topped internet radio charts all over. It's off her album She, and it's about four and a half minutes long. I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy.
Kika, a.k.a. Monica Backman, with Not The One off her album, She. That was a great song, wasn't it? And all of her stuff, her solo stuff, is just wonderful, and you can hear much more online. Find her stuff at myspace.com slash Kika, K-I-K-A, or at soundclick.com slash Kika. And, of course, I'll also have the link for you at hawaiiup.com. You know, as I mentioned, she's also now fronting a new local band. It's called Gecko Echo. They've only been together about three weeks, but they're already hitting the road. So you can hear her live if you're lucky enough to be here in Honolulu. Gecko Echo is going to showcase Kika's rock talents, which she also has in spades. But they'll also do ska, pop, punk, classic rock, even top 40 covers. And, of course, Kika's original stuff as well. So keep an eye out for them. Kika and Gecko Echo. And now it's time to see what the wife is thinking. It's time for... The Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my beautiful wife, Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hello. So what's on the menu today? Well, I thought we'd talk about uh, the last two movies that we got from Netflix. They were... Shaun of the Dead and Napoleon Dynamite. Two films, uh, both came out last year, actually, and both uh, don't star anyone famous in particular. Nope, not really. So what did you think of Shaun of the Dead? I loved it. You know, I'm an Anglophile from way back. I love British movies, especially British comedies. I used to watch Britcom Night on PBS on Saturday night. So, you know, I, I will gladly watch anything British, and especially anything British and funny. And this movie just happens to be funny, but it's also kind of a horror film, and it's also kind of a romantic comedy, and it's also kind of a buddy movie. That's true. I mean, there were a lot of genres mixed in here, and uh, at times you went kind of get the feeling that they were losing direction, but really uh, they mixed it really well, and you're laughing out loud because it's a comedy, but you're also jumping out of your skin because it's actually quite scary. It is quite scary, and the scariest part about it is that it's, you know they stick the scary moments in there kind of to remind you, instead of beating you over the head with a gore, it's just kind of there in little, you know, in little spurts. So it was a real horror film, but also hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. The film is Shaun of the Dead, named after the main character Shaun, and uh, he wrote the film? Yes, he did. He wrote the film and starred in it. In the film, Sean has to kind of choose between his girlfriend Liz and his best friend Ed. Um, Kate Ashfield plays his girlfriend Liz, and I liked her a lot. She reminded me of Renee Zellweger. There are a couple moments in the film where I thought she was just perfect. You know, she was. You know, I thought she had the best performance in the movie. So yeah, if this film was ever stolen by us lousy Americans and redone, then Renee Zellweger would be the girlfriend. I think Jack Black would be perfect as Sean's good buddy, too. Oh yeah, he would be great. Who would you pick for Sean? Who would you pick for Sean? I don't know, maybe John Cusack? I suppose. You know, you have to have kind of that hapless uh, everyman appeal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of great music in this movie. Right. Um, it's very Queen-heavy. There are several songs by Queen. Um, there is a Chicago song, though. There is a Chicago song and a very funny bit. Yeah, used as a, used as a comedic bit. Um, there, There's a moment in there that kind of reminded me, actually, well, speaking of Cusack in black, it reminded me of High Fidelity. Yeah, there is some music humor. Now, what do you think of Napoleon Dynamite? You know, I was prepared not to like it because movie geeks are just falling over themselves, waxing poetic about how clever it is. And so I was thinking clever, yeah, pretentious, stuck up, but I was pleasantly surprised because it is actually very, very funny. 
So even though film geeks liked it, it might have been well-deserved praise? Yeah, definitely. You know, it had the little, it had a, the clever aspect, but there was also a bit of slapstick, check-your-brain-at-the-door humor that I really appreciated. So I thought it had a little bit of something for everybody. Now, it's one of those movies uh, that takes full advantage of the awkward pause. Definitely. You know, it's it's kind of in the same vein as Welcome to the Dollhouse, kind of that squirmy, I don't really think I want to watch the rest of this kind of feeling, but, you know, a lot less potent and a lot funnier. Now, Napoleon Dynamite didn't star any huge stars, but there were some familiar faces. Yeah, lots of character actors. A guy named John Grease plays Napoleon's Uncle Rico. He was um, Laswell Hollyfeld in Real Genius. One of my favorite films. Right. Um, Diedrich Bader, who plays a karate instructor. He's Oswald on the Drew Carey show. And he's definitely uh, Oswald in this movie. I mean, yeah. he's he's who we know him as. Yeah, he's being Oswald. Um, Tina Majorino, she was the little girl in Waterworld. And she was Napoleon's girlfriend? Right. Well, well, she grew up then. She did. I guess she went to college. She took a break and went to college, and now she's, I, I guess she's been in a couple of movies since. And uh, there's a Duff in here. Yeah, one of them. One of the two. <laughs> Not Hillary, but Haley. I guess the sister. Haley. Haley. Uh, now, music played a part in this film as well. Yeah, it did. Um, it, too, was very 80s heavy. Um, songs that you wouldn't really expect to hear in a film set in present, de- in present day. So, uh, Shaun of the Dead and Napoleon Dynamite, both from last year. Would uh, well, how many stars would you give Shaun of the Dead? Four and a half. Four and a half out of five. That's uh, that's strong praise. How about Napoleon Dynamite? Four and a half. So you really enjoyed these films? Yeah, I did. You know, I Napoleon Dynamite actually kind of grew on me as you know as I thought about it later on. I realized how many moments there were that I really enjoyed. And a lot of catchphrases. Right. And now when you hear them walking around, you're going to go, "Oh no, it's a Napoleon Dynamite fan." Yeah. So four and a half stars for uh, Shaun of the Dead and Napoleon Dynamite. Highly recommended. Add it to your Netflix queue. And uh, hope we'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. Now, as much as I'm geeking out with uh, audio and video and podcasting and video blogging, there are probably one or two people in the world who haven't even caught on to blogging yet. You know, the written word from the everyday nerd. And even those who have been beaten over the head with that uh, most unfortunate term... You know, they sometimes still don't really know what the point is. You know, our bloggers, teens, complaining about their math teachers and mooning over the cute guy in English class, uh, wannabe journalists bringing down politicians and taking the mainstream media to task. You know, there are pet blogs and sex blogs and, of course, blogs about blogging. And there's all kinds of content out there, but, you know, really what's revolutionary are, the, are that there are tools that you can use to blog and, you know, it, and the channels of communications that blogs open up. Now, earlier this week, the local chapter of the International Association of Business Communicators, a.k.a. PR folks, invited some geek friends and I to talk about blogging in general and then to really explore what a blog might do for a company. Peter K. of VoteHawaii.com, he led the group. Along with the world-famous Bert Lum of Mindwind Labs and the impossibly cool Roxanne Darling of Bare Feet Studios, we talked for over an hour, you know, we actually went way over time, but still most folks stuck around. And uh, anyway, here's a little bit of excerpts from the middle of the talk of what my colleagues had to say. Very good. Are there any more questions on what, a, what is a blog? 
the basic the basics of it? Okay, because I'd like to kind of maybe open up a question: Why would a, why would a company want to get involved in blogging? Why should why should they go back and say, "Man, I went to this crazy thing, and we got to get a blog like now. It's free. Look, his eight-year-old's doing it." You know, why why would a company want to? Well, why? you know, I think I think the wrong reason for a company to get uh, into blogging is to use it as a vehicle to do press releases, because I think you know for the most part. Uh, blogging is really kind of a, a grassroots thing, and and it's a it's an interactive thing. It's sort of soliciting you know your customer base to get some reaction as to what kinds of things are going on within the company. I think it adds to transparency. So if you just continue to say release press releases that are already sort of sanitized, then people will kind of see through that, and it becomes counterproductive to I think you know the whole intent of the blog. So um, I, I would say that if you do look at corporate blogging, you have to give it more substance. You have to um, either personalize it more or, or, or imbibe some soul of the company into it and, and give it something more than just sort of the, uh, the vanilla sanitized uh, presentation of the press release. There are three really strong reasons why a company should consider blogging, and I think one is that uh, if you have any interest in customer relationships, it is a fabulous way to have develop a conversation with your customers. Um, second, but only if that only if you're prepared to have the real conversation. Yes, it's going to be very real. Yeah. But but immediately following on to that, you get fabulous free market research. Your customers will tell you what they want next in your products. They'll tell you what you can drop that no one's using and it was stupid in the first place. Um, they, it's free market research. You cannot get that from a focus group. You cannot get that from paying people to study your market. You can talk directly to your market, and that is really invaluable. The third reason is because if you want to control your message, if you've got your own blog, you can put that message out there first. You can put out the facts that you know to be true from your side of the show, and you can you know, beat the people to the race. I, I, I think there's a significant cultural sort of adjustment that a typical company would need to make, but I think it's a very good one. Uh, the blogosphere is here to stay. It's it's going to it's an adjunct to mainstream media, I believe. So it's here. Um, you know, like we mentioned er- earlier, when uh, you there's a couple of things that I think a company would need to be prepared for. You know, uh, Bird mentioned you know don't do a, uh, just a press release site, and he's correct. Although it's not a bad, I mean, RSS is actually a pretty good vehicle for just doing press releases. It's not a bad engine. If you're doing press releases, you may want to talk to your IT folks and say, hey, let's do our press releases using RSS. Uh, it's an efficient way to do it, but. Um, the the GM uh, Vera asked about a good corporate blog. The GM blog was great because uh, I, I, I I caught the story when it just got launched, and I was like the third guy to make a comment on the blog site to Bob Lutz, and I told him how much I hated GM, how much the cars really sucked, and why they're going to be really in trouble. And they took it, uh, and you know it was great because when also they got some really bad press about the, there was some issue. I didn't catch the exact story, but. Uh, the, the 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 LA Times had a bad story about GM, and as a result of that, GM stopped their advertising to it and it created like a big firestorm. While Bob Lutz got up and gave his side of the story, and it was very very neat to get his side of the story. So when you read it, you get a real feel for it. So if a company is going to get into blogging, I would I think it's a good for all the reasons that Roxanne gave. You'd need to be ready for the truth, and not we're not you know with all due respect as media people and spokespeople, we like to control the media. Uh, I I know from my days of working with uh, with advertising agencies and PR agencies, the greatest way to scare a PR person is tell them that you can't control the message. Like oh my god, um, 
and you won't be able to. Uh, but that's with a good blogging, thing. You have more control. With blogging, you have more. And, you well, you have more control of what you can say. You yes. Your side of your, you get your points out there. Absolutely, your your points. But you have to be ready for the other points. That was Peter K. Bert Lum and Roxanne Darling on blogging. If you want to hear the whole talk, both Peter K. and Bert Lum posted the audio from the presentation on their sites. Roxanne Darling put together a summary podcast kind of talking about everything that was presented, and I of course decided to just go with a short video blog entry. So I'll have the links to all of that stuff in the show notes at HawaiiUp.com. I should mention, by the way, that Roxanne and her partner Shane Robinson are on the verge of launching a business blogging service called BusyCast at B-I-Z-Z-Y-C-A-S-T dot com. You know, it's a very, it's going to be a very comprehensive, powerful, but user-friendly tool that they're building, and, and yes, it'll be good for podcasting and video blogging too. And it's not just a, a local initiative; they're they're taking on the big boys of blog and media hosting, and I really think their model has serious legs. They're doing private beta testing now, but it'll be something to watch, and and I hope to talk with Roxanne about BusyCast on an upcoming show. But that's the show for this week. I'd like to thank the great guys behind Akamai Brain Collective for providing our theme song. And I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Mahalo. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you'd like to hear. You know, more news, less news. Uh, so please don't hesitate to fire off an email to comments at hawaiiup.com or leave a message on the Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127. I hope your summer's off to a spectacular start, and I hope you'll tune in again for another fun show. But for now, Ma Lama Pono, please take care, and until next time, Ahui Ho!